This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including writing creative nonfiction. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is John McCormick, who's been keeping an eye on the shenanigans and goings-on in Washington regarding the NSA and national security. John, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. And it's a delight to be speaking to you down the line, knowing that we, in fact, will not be monitored by the NSA during this conversation for a change. So I feel better about this podcast already. It's great. I have Al-Qaeda on the other line. <laughs> I'm glad to know that. I have made so many inappropriate phone calls in the last 24 hours. And, of course, that's the joke, the premise that there's someone somewhere in Washington has a headphone on listening to Aunt Mabel call Cousin Bertha and talk about you know wedding plans. That was never true. But Rand Paul, I think, has done a pretty good job of laying out his concern about metadata gathering and why a typical American might be worried about trusting their government with that information. Um, yeah, I think the Pauls, you know, arguably uh, there's a case to be made that uh, for all of his heterodox positions within the GOP on foreign policy or national security, uh, taking a stand against the Patriot Act uh, might be the best bet for him. You know, the Patriot Act, uh, a lot of, not a lot, but I mean a handful of serious conservatives like Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Ron Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, they support this USA Freedom Act, which ends the uh, bulk collection of phone records uh, by the NSA and then leaves this with the uh, with the phone companies. So I think I think that by you know by so many Republicans acknowledging that there's well there's some problem here that ran by you know take by becoming the face of the opposition he might be doing better and again the you know the Patriot Act uh, intelligence collections it's a lot more complicated you don't exactly know what's out there uh, you look at some of his other issues like ISIS uh, his flip flopping is very apparent he just blamed Republicans for creating ISIS and you talk about specifics with you know his drone policy you talk about who Anwar Alaki was uh, the American you know American citizen who was droned in Yemen. Uh, because he was a senior al-Qaeda commander, he would, you know, inspire all these different terrorists, had plotted some attacks. Um, I think if you, those are very easily explained issues on the debate stage, and I think they're sure losers for Rand um, come the debates. Now, the Patriot Act uh, might be a little different because it's much more difficult to explain, well, what the met- metadata program is, and we are talking about, um, you know, American to American information, and obviously there are court precedents that say this is not protected by the Constitution, but I think he has a, you know, he has a fair case to be made. Now, by, by opposing the Patriot Act outright, has he gone way too far? I mean, explaining why he opposes roving wiretaps, I think that's much more difficult. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I think he, you know, he, he might be. In other words, of all of the thing, of all the things are likely to chase away traditional uh, strong national security Republicans, he picked the least damaging for himself as his hill to stand on. Well, I think this, in in a, in a 
in a big Republican primary, you've got 10, 12, 15 people running. You know, you need, what, 20, 25 percent to win a primary. I think this issue is a much better. It's going to there, there is a there is a part of the Republican Party, whether it's 20 or 30 or 40 percent. I don't know um, who has serious qualms about metadata. I think if you talk about ISIS and, you know, stay out, you know, don't fight ISIS as was the original position. They flip flopped on it. They said Republicans created ISIS. You know, that's a losing issue. I think you get maybe what 5 percent, 10 percent of the party. But, but I want to ask about a broader issue that. Uh, Senator Paul, and it's so weird. He's one of those guys, uh, John, if you find yourself falling into calling him Rand, and you're like, no, he's, he's, he's just one of those people. To differentiate from his father. But, but my, my point, you know, John McCain is always like John McCain, you know what I mean? But yeah. for some, you miss McConnell, Mitch McConnell, but for some reason, Rand, maybe it's the curly hair. I don't know what it is. But anyway, the people he's talking to who call him Rand, I think they see the issue of government as a whole. What about the idea that he absolutely now owns the if you hate government i'm the republican to vote for and that's not a bad spot to be in in the republican primary is it not necessarily but i think you know i mean well ted cruz you know he made his stand against obamacare i think that's obviously a much bigger issue um you know as for people who are going to vote on this issue i mean this was this was traditionally a, a liberal issue is you know it was opposition to bush back in uh, you know, in, in the 2000s, I think that um, I don't really know how this is going to play out in a primary. I think it's interesting to see that he's he's taken such a confident stand on this compared to, you know, things like ISIS and drones, mm-hmm. who all kind of wilt if you ask him a simple question. <laughs> um, but on this one, you know, he, 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 he I don't I don't think he knows exactly what he's talking about, uh, but he's he's definitely much more confident. I thought in particular one very interesting thing that he said recently over the weekend was that, well, you know, we should have used uh, foreign intelligence that we got from the Russians to tip us off about the Sarnayev uh, terrorist uh, before the Boston right. Marathon bombing. I just thought that was very you know interesting to think about you know this earnest, sincere civil libertarian saying we should be taking information <laughs> from foreign spy agencies uh, to launch investigation against uh, Americans. I mean, obviously Sarnayev was a a permanent resident, not a citizen, but you have the same legal right. protections. So I thought that was very curious, you know, and he, he really hadn't kind of thought that through. He also suggests that we had probable cause. I mean, the reason we didn't get this guy is because all the Russians gave us was that, you know, mm-hmm. this guy's a radical Muslim. He's going to meet with shady characters over here. That's not enough to, right. you know, to, to get a warrant and arrest somebody. But Paul sort of, you know, he uh, he doesn't exactly know what he's talking about there. But, you know, that, that the Boston Marathon bombing also highlights the opposite side, which is using metadata using NSA scanning of emails and uh, and web traffic you had a guy who had traveled to Dagestan traveled back been inve- interrogated or questioned by the FBI was posting pro jihad stuff on the web screaming at his fellow parishioners at his local mosque and yet when a photo of the two Zarnaya brothers w- was finally uh, you know someone got a photo from a non-government camera the FBI didn't know who they were looking for no one in counterintelligence knew who these guys were, even though they had inter- had talked to Sarnayev. And that makes the point that the metadata pl- plan, whatever the par- problems you have with it, either from the law standpoint or from constitutional standpoint, it clearly hasn't worked. And I think that plays into Rand Paul's sense of, look, the government just stinks. Don't let them do anything. And I wonder if that doesn't resonate more than this one issue of the NSA. Yeah, well, I think the point is that no, I don't think anyone ever said the, the metadata program is, is you know bulletproof. It's a you know it's a shield that will protect us from anything. I think the point that needs to be made is like is this is a way that you map terrorist networks and terrorist financing. You know, I've heard a lot of this bad analogies out there, but the way the best way to describe it is that if you want to connect the dots, you need to have the dots in the right. first place. Storing this this metadata is costly, so phone companies don't do it. They throw it out after a certain amount of time. Right now, they're required by the FCC to keep it for 18 months. But you know, let's say you get a guy 
guy's uh, a terrorist cell phone out of Yemen. The, the question to ask is, do you want to know who that guy has called? Because, and, and you don't want to know just who he's talked to in the last 30 days. You'd like to be able to go back a while. So the question is, if you don't have these numbers stored, who called, what number called what number, what time, what length, you really can't start mapping these terrorist networks. And that's, that's what it's for. I mean, and no one says that that in and of itself is going to you know, stop the next 9-11 or stop the next Boston Marathon bombing. But if we really want to get out of the abstract and start talking about the specifics and the particulars, and, you know, well, who should keep that data? Should it stay with the phone company? Should it stay with, uh, you know, should the government scoop it up? I think it's fine if it stays with the phone companies as long as we can get access to it. And I guess some people will just say, you know what, uh, we shouldn't keep that information whatsoever. We should, you know, phone companies should be able to get rid of it uh, immediately, and people should be able to, you know, ensure that their privacy is never violated because this is stuff that shouldn't be out there. That's a, that's a position to take. I think people should argue it and not, not pretend that there's no cost whatsoever. Right. Uh, for your opinion, for your uh, let's move, uh, finish up by talking about the politics of this. One of the numbers that Senator Paul likes to quote is that 80 percent of people under 40 oppose, you know, this uh, uh, tracking of people's phone activity. And, you know, that's a not too subtle hint to, hey, old dying Republican Party, I have young people who like voting for me. It seems to me that Rand Paul could be a real asset for the party as a whole if the party can find a place, you know, we can all find a place on the field you know, together. Does it help having John McCain and Mitch McConnell trying to drag him behind the barn and beat him senseless as part of their political debate with him? Well, you know, I would say Rand has probably played dirtier than McCain or McConnell has in this instance. You know, just last night he accused his some in this town of wishing that there were a terrorist attack in the United States this week while the Patriot Act, these programs are uh, offline so that they can blame him for that. Now, you know, people might say some unfair things about Rand from time to time, but I think that that pretty much takes the cake. As for the politics, you know, I think, you know, one telling thing about the politics here is that Republicans didn't really, uh, you know, the Republican contenders didn't jump out to beat him over the head with this issue. You know, I mean, Rubio issued a statement saying it was reckless, uh, you know, didn't mention Paul my name. Uh, Ted Cruz, who's uh, Paul's super PAC, came out with this ad the other day calling Cruz the capitulating Canadian for supporting the, uh, the USA Freedom Act uh, for, because it didn't go far enough in Scrap the Patriot Act. And Cruz wouldn't even respond. Uh, there's some quote in Real Clear Politics today where he just says, oh, you know, I'm not going to engage in Republican on Republican uh, fighting. But in, in the past, Cruz has been very willing to take on Rand over whether it's you know aggression with the Russians or Iranian negotiations, uh, nuclear negotiations, uh, stuff like ISIS. So I think that you know Cruz, people are a little more wary. I think the metadata program is the most difficult uh, issue to deal with because it does involve uh, American to American uh, information. Again, not content. That's been uh, a big issue where people sort of just casually insinuated that the NSA is actually reading your emails or recording your phone calls, and that's not the case. Um, but there is a legitimate debate to be had about whether or not just this data, uh, who called who, or not even who called who, what number called what number, and whether that should be stored somewhere, and then we get access to it, um, or whether we need to go to a judge first to even get access to it. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if it actually brings people in the party. It, it, it might help him. I think that's what I'm saying. You know, this is the thing that will motivate his base. He's been flipping and flopping all over the place on war against ISIS. Um, but when it comes to this issue, he's sort of making a play to uh, regain the base who may have been demoralized by his uh, you know, maneuverings on foreign policy. John McCormick with The Weekly Standard, thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to The Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.